This episode of the Local Hustlers podcast is brought to you by Audible. If you're listening to this podcast right now, then I'm going to assume that you would also enjoy listening to audiobooks. Whether you're interested in business, history, comedy, science fiction, or romance, Audible has thousands of titles for you to choose from. We want you to try out Audible for free, so if you head to our link, you'll get a 30-day free trial and a free book. So go to audibletrial.com slash local hustlers podcast to redeem your trial today. Again, that's audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E, trial.com slash local hustlers podcast. You're listening to the Local Hustlers Podcast, East Valley Locals. Get connected with small businesses near you and dive deep into their stories, mindset, and motives. Entrepreneurs everywhere. Get ready to be inspired by business owners, entrepreneurs, and hustlers that you can relate to and learn from. And now, your hosts, Dallin Huso and Ridge Waldberg. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Local Hustlers Podcast. This week, we're super excited to be here with Jeff Hagee of Jeff Hagee Coaching. Um, now, before we, we let him start talking, just want to introduce him real quick. So Jeff is from Canada. He's a former professional cowboy, uh, a basketball coach, an entrepreneur, and now a business and entrepreneur coach. So a lot of things going on there. I'm excited to dive into all that. Yeah, thanks. No, it's... Uh... Yeah, there's a lot of history to talk about and around business and entrepreneurship, a lot of experience. So I'm excited to talk to you guys. Awesome. Awesome. Um, why don't you take a couple of minutes and talk about your life kind of leading up to this journey that you're on now and what, what's kind of gotten to where you are? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Thanks. So as you said, I, I'm originally from Canada, Southern Alberta, um, graduated from college in entrepreneurship. While I was going to school, I was working part-time at a bank. As soon as I graduated, the bank offered me a great job. And my reply was, I rodeo professionally, I'm going to go be a cowboy. And so I turned down a great job and went and played. And sometime, it was probably less than a year later, um, we actually had our first child on the way. And I thought, you know, maybe I should take some things a little serious. (laughs) And so I went back to the bank. And fortunately, they still had the position for me. And... At the same time, I was already, I was into some real estate. I had a mini storage facility that I owned and the banking industry was awesome. I loved it. Um, I had an opportunity to climb the ladder really quick. Mm-hmm. I went from, you know, starting off in personal loans, doing investments, and then I ended up being a bank manager and I was in a small community in Southern Alberta and it was really cool because I managed the branch, but I also took care of all the business loans, all the agriculture loans, stuff like that. And what that allowed me to do is basically sit down with every entrepreneur that was a customer and just dig their brains and really get to see what they were doing. Um, But I always had that entrepreneurial spirit. I knew at one point that that's what I wanted to do. And I was actually sitting with a client one day in his office and he was building homes and he had a catalog on his desk for the artificial stone veneer that they put on the front of their homes. Mm -hmm. And I said, I think I could do that. And him and I have been partners ever since. So this was in 2005. I quit the bank, um, went down. Someone taught me in Missouri how to the manufacturing process. Started a factory in um, Alberta in 2006. I started another factory in Utah. And, you know, since 2005 till now, you know what the real estate market's done. So we pivoted a number of times Mm -hmm. and had a lot of changes and whatnot. I originally came down here to Arizona with some intents of open up some things and we were actually in negotiations on 
buying out another company down here and COVID hit and our investor backed out and things kind of just tumbled down from there. But I had an incredible group of guys running the Canadian operation, which gave me a lot of leeway. Coaching is something that I've always been interested in, taking training and different things. Yeah. Um, one day my CFO called me and, you know, as an entrepreneur, I've screwed up a lot. I've done a lot of good things, a lot of bad things. Yeah. And my CFO and I, we'd always talk and we'd be like, you know, this is one that we got put in the book. Make sure no one does this one or whatever <laughs> it was. And one day he called me and he's like, I've got a client you need to meet. And it was actually um, someone I was able to meet with fairly soon. And I went and talked with him and he's a very successful business coach. And he had a very similar history as I did in the um, manufacturing industry and in the real estate market. And now he's coaching. And after talking, hmm. he basically said to me, he's like, you want to do this. You've got the qualifications. You've got the background. Why aren't you doing it? And that was kind of what pushed me that, you know, maybe maybe my limiting beliefs that I've got about myself, I, I need to go do this. So that's when I kind of pulled the trigger on it and been doing it for a couple of years now. And it's been pretty awesome. Cool, cool. So he, this person saw something in you, qualifications, just maybe your mindset. What, what was it about, I guess, you or the experience that you had that made him think that you would be uh, successful in the coaching world? You know, I think, you know, on the business coaching side of it, I think a lot of it is experience, mm -hmm. you know, especially in the market we're in. You know, I've had the experience from the banking and whatnot, yeah. but also the experience of building a manufacturing company, building a distribution company, building a sales team all these different things, a lot of things that everyone that starts a business or is running a business could use a mentor on. For sure. And so that combined with different training and stuff I've taken, it was kind of, you know, why aren't you doing it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's go back to the banking a little bit. So you mentioned what I would say is the golden nugget of your experience there of meeting entrepreneurs and picking their brains and seeing common traits and, and those kinds of things. Love for you to dive a little deeper into that and, and maybe, uh, you know, specific lessons that you learn from those entrepreneurs, but also just your experience in the banking industry or their principles of finance uh, that you learned being in the banking industry that have helped you as an entrepreneur, that somebody who maybe not have that financial background is missing, that's a key uh, add-on that you can add to somebody who you're coaching? Yeah. You know, when I, when I was going to school, my, probably my number one focus was get out of school. <laughs> I, I did not, I wasn't, I didn't love school. <laughs> I, I loved it to the fact that while I was going to university, it meant I could competitively compete at college rodeos. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that was, and in fact, when I first started college, um, you know, I went a few different directions and when I got, when I decided to get into the business program, I actually did fall in love with the courses and whatnot, but I still didn't like going to school. Yeah. But when I got into banking and I was starting to put these things into real life practice, the banking actually offered me a lot of opportunity to take additional training, which was a blessing because, you know, the courses they were offering were. Just the next level, say, I, I didn't, I only took a semester of the accounting at school, but it was like the next level of accounting. And so all these different courses and it was on sales, it was on leadership. So I was able to get a lot more education through the banking system, which was awesome. And then also obviously the real life situation was sitting down with entrepreneurs. Um, 
and you know what i think that's a big part of entrepreneurship is understanding financing um because you know it's what makes or breaks most companies and having a good relationship whether it's a banker a coach a mentor or something of someone that really understands the finances yeah can make such a difference in a business because it is it's vital to the business itself um but really sitting down with all the different entrepreneurs i mean there is one i had you know he owned a couple shoe stores i had a lot well i had a lot in the agriculture industry whether it was grain cattle whatever it was but then it was you know the home builders the car dealers there's just so many and it's a really interesting to see how they all operated how they all worked their teams how they worked their finances and it really showed you know you saw trends of you know these guys look great on the outside they're upside down (laughs) and it you know it really opened my eyes to a lot of those things and even when I started um, my own business the financing side wasn't my favorite. I didn't love yeah. the accounting part of it. But it wasn't until I got to the point where I hired a really good numbers guy that the business really shifted for me. Hmm. And so I think that's something to really think about is if you are a numbers guy, that's great. If you're not, you need one because hmm. it makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. You mentioned you have a CFO now and that's uh, your numbers guy? Yeah, yeah. Did your experience working at the bank and with uh, these entrepreneurs and seeing that some looked great on the outside, but on the inside is a different story, etc. Did that make you more or less risk averse? Probably, you know, that's tough to say because it made me realize, one, how much money is involved in a lot of businesses. Um, it didn't really... I don't think it really made me look at things as the amount is risky or not risky. It's the concept, you know, regardless of what that number is, is it going to work or is it not? Yeah. Um, and how are you going to structure it? Cause one thing I, that was very apparent at the bank when I left the bank to start my own business, I thought to myself, okay, if this guy came to me, he has no background in, this industry at all he's coming to tell me he's gonna leave a real secure job with great benefits and he's gonna start making rocks am I gonna lend him money no (laughs) and so I didn't even go to a bank when we started we what we got investors and went that route because I knew a bank would just like laugh at me and so it, it opened my eyes that way and it but it also helped me to it helped me to understand how to structure things better um and what did and didn't need to be done when you're structuring things for the financial part of it too. Yeah, that's great. Well, speaking of finances, I like what, what we've been saying because a lot of entrepreneurs, they don't start a business because they love finances or they want to do numbers. They either have an idea or a passion or they just want to be their own boss. So usually they're not numbers guys. Um, and so you talked about just being able to hire someone that is a numbers guy, helped your business. Can you kind of explain or maybe go into a bit more in depth? Like why that benefits a business so much to have someone that can focus on the numbers and focus on the finances? Well, I'll give a good example. When I opened my second factory in Utah, 
I actually I had a guy that was overseeing everything, and he was he was a chartered accountant. Mm-hmm. So I thought, you know, we're perfect. He had, he was running his another business, him and his brother had owned, and I really tried to stay on top of things. You know, getting the reports on what our manufacturing costs were and all these different things. Things didn't seem to be jiving right, and you know our profits weren't where they should have been compared to what our manufacturing should have been. And when I brought Dave on, the new, my new partner that's the CFO now, um, we kind of revamped everything, and he oversaw all production. And he really started looking at the numbers a lot. And, I mean, our biggest expense was labor. Yeah. And within, I actually just looked at these numbers a while ago. I think within the first two months, our labor costs went down 27% just because he was putting the systems in place and watching the numbers and mm-hmm. knowing what to look for. And as he developed systems for our whole production within six months, that, that number was 40, 47%. And so him, and that's where one of his biggest talents is, is putting systems into place and really making things efficient. And in manufacturing, obviously, that's a big deal. Yeah. And you know, when you're selling a product that you're selling it at X dollars, no matter how much it's costing you to make it, you know, it's not that we're selling it 10% above cost. We're selling it for X dollars to be competitive in the market. Mm -hmm. Well, when we start adding a little bit of overtime in, that's right from the bottom line. And that's what was happening is we would get behind in production and things weren't efficient and it kind of was just snowballing on us. Hmm. That's super interesting. So yeah, they're not only looking at the finances, but they're looking at the operations side of things to know what's going on there. Right. And that directly correlates with what's going on with the financial side of a business. And he, with his talent in building systems, he, he basically developed things. So, you know, whether we wanted to expand, contract, franchise, you know, put another factory up, whatever, we had the systems in place that we could do that. Mm-hmm. So really made it a lot more efficient. Yeah. Being at the bank, I'm sure you saw a lot of businesses that did really good as well as a lot that didn't didn't have a lot of success. So seeing such a big mixture, like what did you expect out of out of starting a business? Because so many people um, either like maybe a little too positive and think, oh, it's so easy. I'll just start this business and make all this money. Or some people just, you know, don't have a, a positive enough mindset and they don't think that they can succeed. Where were you at? I was, um, I was the first. Yeah, I was I was retired and rich in three years. <laughs> I was living on an island somewhere. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I was very optimistic. There mm-hmm. there was a lot of good things that we had lined up, and we did have a lot of great things happen. Yeah. But you know, there's a lot of lessons I've learned in it too. It was a very capital intensive business, and in 2008, one of the things that we were able to do is differentiate ourselves by quality, and we got paid for that. Yeah. When 2008 crashed, that went out the window. Everything was price. And it didn't, you know, people that we competed with that weren't a big threat because they were cheap, but we knew their product wasn't great. Mm-hmm. Well, it was a price thing now. And so they were just as competitive as the big guys. Yeah. And so that really changed things a lot. And it really, it made our industry more of a commodity industry. You know, looking at everyone's products, what's the difference? Yeah, quality is different between different companies, but you got colors, you got styles, and everything else is about the same. 
you know, it's all manufactured stone. Yeah. And so it, it made it tough that way. Um, and it, it, it's a tough industry. It was something that we've seen a number of times. We've had to pivot a number of times. And right when we thought, okay, we've got this figured out, we get struck in the side of the head by something else. For sure. COVID. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> One other thing that you mentioned is you you knew you weren't probably going to get a loan from the bank, so you went to investors. And I think a lot of people think that a bank is kind of their only option when it comes to money. Um, can you kind of go into like if if you are looking for for some startup money for investments, like how where can you get started in terms of finding investors that might be interested in in helping the business out? You know, it's it's different based on where the economy's at. Yeah. When we were doing it, it was fortunately my my business partner had a lot of experience building companies and doing stuff like that, so we had a lot of contacts that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, and a lot of those contacts were in a position that they were ready to invest, and you know we had a good business plan put together, everything was looking good, and so we had that ability. But you know, a lot of times it is it's the family and friends type of things, yeah. angel investors. It's hard. It's hard to one of the things going back. I wouldn't have started a company that was so capital intensive Hmm. because we had to get a lot of investment to do it. Yeah. But at the same time, we're looking at competitors like Owens Corning that does a little, um, you know, revamp on their factory for 16 million. Well, (laughs) that's hard hard to compete with that. Exactly. (laughs) And so, you know, the, the hard thing is getting that and, getting the investors that understand you know and everyone's positive in the beginning right yeah like this is going to be the home run it's going to be great but you've got to understand that it is business and businesses fail and when you are if you are dealing with family and friends that causes problems when things fail even if they're not family and friends that you've got that relationship with you there's a lot of stress involved with failures and so it's hard um and, you know, I was actually talking with a client um, just this past week that they're doing okay. Their their business is going well. But they even said, if I could go back and do it again, I would have kept my day job another year hmm. so that I could have just had more of the money put in myself and I wouldn't have had to bring on more money. And so it depends what you're doing. Um, you know, you've got, there's a lot of different, people that are looking for those investment opportunities and if the business is right you're going to be able to find investors but it's also you've got to make sure that those people because i've had investors that were the best investors in the world when things were going good and you know we had some that we were playing paying out some great monthly interest payments the economy turns and we had to take those payments down yeah and i went from being a hero to the jerk <laughs> so it's got to be that understanding of what's the risk involved and really and that that's how the great the great investors are the ones that understand that this is investment money i might not ever see it again yeah so. no i like what you mentioned about how you wish you would have kept your job for a year because a lot of entrepreneurs a lot of people that you hear about are just like you know quit your job go all in um, which in some cases can be the right thing to do. But a lot of times, you know, there's no issue with, with staying with where you're at and kind of starting on the side um, just so you have that income still coming in. Um, and all of this that you've shared so far really sounds like an answer to that first question I had about, you know, what was it in you that, that made this person think that you'd be a good business coach? It's all this experience that you've had um, in your previous, you know, jobs and opportunities 
um, that have led you to where you are now and being able to, to help people. So let's let's kind of get into this the coaching world. Um, you started a couple of years ago. You mentioned yes. Um, yeah, tell us about like how it was getting started. What what you what the process is of of becoming a business coach. Well, I mean part of part of it too is I have had the opportunity for a number of years. You know, I started my my other company in two thousand five, mm-hmm. and so I've had a lot of years experience with people that would come to me asking, you know, can you help me with my business plan? Yeah. Can you help me to know where to go? Whether it was actually none of them were stone companies, but real estate or whatever they were doing. Right. And so I had a lot of opportunities to mentor or coach people that way. And I used to actually, I used to go over to Hawaii every year. Um, and I would work with the students at BYU Hawaii on their business plan competitions. And then as a judge in their the business plan. Oh, cool. I'd help them with their business plans and then judge the competition. And so just that mentoring part of it was always something that was fun for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I had, I had recently, when I started getting more seriously into it, I had recently taken some courses and trainings that involved more on the masterminds and stuff like that. And so when I decided I was going to pull the trigger and start doing it, that was one of the first things I wanted to do is I wanted to put together a mastermind for entrepreneurs and I did it. And, you know, same thing with any of my businesses. I had big dreams of what this was going to be. Yeah. And I actually, I took a picture of it with me, with the people in the background, cause it was a live one. Um, because I thought, you know what, I hope I never have another group of four people. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's never this small again, uh-huh. but you know, it, it was a start and you know, I expected, I think, I can't remember. I think I planned for 25 or something, Yeah. but I had four and it is what it is. And one of those ended up being a client and then it just kind of started to build from there. I ended up creating a, a virtual mastermind that we have weekly calls now and and then it was a lot of it was through either referrals or social media. I made connections and people have started coming on as clients and deal with them that way now. Cool. So talk to us a bit about like the mastermind. Is that, do you pull information from other people or is it just pretty much a cumulative of, of everything that you've learned in your entrepreneurial experience and putting it together into some sort of, I don't know, is it videos or, or do you read it? or the, the first mastermind I did, the live one, was a structured one that I was basically at the front of the room Mm -hmm. leading a discussion and it went through, you know, I I had outlined, this is what we're, what it's going to look like. Yeah. Now with the weekly mastermind I have, it's, it's morphed over the last year or two or whatever it's been and changed a little bit. But really what our, what it looks like now is we spent as a group, we always have a book that we're studying together. And so we spend the first 15, 20 minutes talking about the concepts out of that book and how you apply them in your life and whatnot. Um, and then we get into specifically what each person, what they're working on, what they have accomplished or success, failures, those sort of things, what they need help with from people within the group, and then what they need to be held accountable on. And so that's kind of how the structure goes. But the, the cool part about the group is over over the course of however long it's been going, everyone that's joined it, none of them knew each other to begin with. And I've got people, I've got people from Canada, Utah, uh, Houston, here in Arizona. They're all doing business in some way, shape or form together now. 
Hmm. And so it's been really cool to see how they've all interacted with each other and kind of supporting each other. That's cool. Now, are they all in a, a certain industry or are they all kinds of industries, services, etc.? Yeah, they're all different. And that's kind of what intrigued me about the mastermind is when I think it was in 2009, I was actually at a business conference right at a crucial time of my company trying to decide what I needed to do to survive. Right. And I was at a business conference and there was a lady sitting at the table with me that was, she owned a scrapbooking company and I had been pounding my head trying to figure some things out. And she started talking about her company and some things that she had done. And I thought, you know what? That's my answer. And I think that's the biggest thing about masterminds, whether you're in similar industries or different. Yeah. You can get, I mean, don't reinvent the wheel if you don't have to. But the problem is you don't know what you don't know. And so when you can start talking about your issues with people in a different industry, they can give you advice. You know what? I'm not in your industry. I haven't done that, but I have been through this, which is similar. And this is how I solved it. And so that's what's been really cool is people with different backgrounds, different experiences, different industries can really come together and help each other. No, that's great. Now, had you participated in a mastermind prior to starting your own to kind of glean best practices and what really worked and what helped you as a business owner being in a mastermind? And, or, or did you kind of I actually hadn't. the will? No, I, ha- I hadn't been in one. But one of the coaching trainings that I took, that's what I was certified in was being a mastermind facilitator. Mm-hmm. So I'd been, in, I'd been in them in that sense with with the group that I was working with in the training, but an actual mastermind with other entrepreneurs or business owners, I hadn't been in one. Right. And had you ever been coached before in a formal coaching relationship or did you just kind of have mentors uh, throughout the journey that you gleaned different things from? I've had a lot of mentors throughout the journey and live ones and what, I mean, I look at Napoleon Hill as a mentor. Yeah, you know, you absolutely. can have mentors out of books or whatever you want, um, but as an actual coach, you know, I've, you know, I have courses, whatever. But actual hired coach, I didn't have one until I started coaching, and then I started working with a couple. Um, one that's mostly focused on the business side of coaching, and another one that's focused more on personal development side, and so, and. And you know what? Um, I, I study Tony Robbins a lot, take a lot of his stuff. And one of the things he always says is everyone needs a coach or a mentor, someone that's not a close friend that will be honest with them and tell them the truth. Yeah. And you know, it's true. In fact, I, I actually just hired another coach a week ago um, for health and fitness. And I thought it's a great example. You know, I've been involved in fitness my entire life I understand macros all those sort of things and I started doing some macros and everything was going great everything got trashed somehow and it's because (laughs) I don't know everything that I need to know and just having him being able to work with me and coach me on it is all the difference in the world of making it a success or not no that's good and I want to come and I want to spend a lot more time on this coaching but as a sidebar you coach basketball. Yes. Right? Uh, what are some 
things from your experience coaching basketball and, and anything else that you've coached that have really um, helped you be a more effective business coach? You know, I, I talk on my Daily Success Strategies podcast, I talk about this a lot because even in, for example, I've got a course, High Achievers Mindset Secrets, that I talk about basketball a lot in it. And at one point I thought, maybe I got quit talking basketball so much <laughs> no and i thought no no it's it's whether it's basketball soccer football whatever athletics and life are a mirror image of each other yeah and the lessons you can learn as a young kid playing in a high school sport are so valuable i mean i look at things that i characteristics i have today are things that i learned from my high school coaches and you know, going back to the mastermind last year when I was coaching um, basketball at the high school, I would hold the hold my mastermind from our film room at the school because as soon as it was done, I had to go coach. Well, one of my assistant coaches is in my mastermind and he'd always be out in his truck listening to it and participating. And then we'd come in for basketball practice and he'd say, you've got to teach these these girls everything you just taught everyone on the mastermind. And so we'd spend the next 20 minutes teaching the girls the same thing where we're talking to entrepreneurs about it and then switching it and teaching high school basketball team the same concepts. Hmm. And, you know, especially when you look at things, one, one of the lessons that I talk with the um, teams about a lot are doing hard things. And, you know, I, I specifically do things with the team so that when they look back on it, they can say, wow, I can do hard things. You know, as an example that I talked about on my podcast a while ago was as a basketball coach, I like to run a lot. So my, my whole philosophy is in the fourth quarter, if we've been running the team the whole time and we're in better shape than them, you're going to beat them because they're too tired to play. Right. And I really discipline them that they've got to, whether they're tired or not, they've got to look like they're not tired because then you you beat them mentally as well. Well, last year I came into one of the practices and right off the bat, I said, okay, five up and back. So to the end of gym and back is one, just did five times. And I just throughout practice kept saying, okay, five up and backs. And they had no idea that I was keeping track. And so at the end of practice, they knew that they had done a lot of running in practice. But what they didn't know is they had done 101 up and backs. And I told them, I said, you know what, if you would have came into practice and I said, we're going to do 101 up and backs, three of you would have had sore ankles, <laughs> two would be sick, and one would have just walked out. <laughs> but now, you know you can do those hard things. You know you've got that strength within you to go beyond what you believe you can. And even now, I see girls off that team and that's something they're proud of now. You know, at the time they wouldn't have wanted to do it, but they're like, hey, we did that. Yeah. And I think that really can help them going forward, you know, when they're in a job or whatever, that they might be faced with something difficult. You know, maybe it's not running up and down the floor <laughs> at the gym, but they know they can do hard things. So there's a lot of lessons to be learned from sports. You mentioned that there was a lot of characteristics characteristics sorry that you learned as well playing sports as a youth um anything in particular that jumps out something that you learned playing sports that um, has helped you in your life now 
that that's probably one of the ones yeah. I remember. I remember I played in Southern Alberta. I remember losing to Catholic Central, and the next practice we learned how to do hard things <laughs> physically. And I remember one of my teammates running straight to the um, garbage and throwing up and all those sort of things. But it was you know getting done and knowing that you can do those things. But also there is instilled within us the respect for our coaches, the respect for our teammates, the bond that we had with our teammates and looking out for one another, you know, we had each other's backs, those sort of things. And I think a lot of that is stuff that goes into companies I've built or what I do today. Mm -hmm. Cool. I'm curious if you have any insight because it's, it's pretty like accepted that, you know, if you want to be good at co at sports, if you want to excel, it's important to have a coach that's there to, you know, to see things that you don't see to help you out, um, to, to help you to improve basically. But when it comes to business and life, like people aren't as accepting of, of having a coach if you want to improve. Why do you think that there's like, I guess, a stigma around business and life coaches where it's so accepted when, when you're in the, the sports world? You know what, that you're exactly right. And that's the thing I always say, you know, did Jordan have a coach? Does Tiger have a coach? Does LeBron have a coach? You know, they've all got coaches for a reason. Yeah. And coaches can do things and see things that you can't, they can hold you accountable. Um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, it, it's a pride thing. You know, I'm, I know what I'm doing. I don't need you to tell me. Yeah. And you know, I've, I've learned cause even as a coach myself, like I said, between including my guy that does my macros, I've got three different coaches I work with and I don't know everything. And I, I will tell my clients a lot of times, well, I'll be working with a client and I'm like, okay, this is what you need to do. And they're like, that's brilliant. I'm like, yeah, I just learned it from so-and-so. It's not like <laughs> I'm brilliant. I'm just sharing what I'm knowing, right. as well, learning as well. And I don't know. I think it's understanding that really it's not a cost. It's an investment. And when you can get a coach that is going to help your performance increase, it's worth that investment. If the coach can't help you do that, then no, obviously it's not. So, and not every not every coach is the right fit for every person. You know, I've had people that I've sat down with and we've talked about coaching, and at the end of the conversation, we both just said, you know what, this probably isn't the right fit. This is who you should go talk to, because I think they could do a better job for you. Yeah. Just just thinking out loud here, because you talked about, I really like what you said. It's not a cost and it's an investment, and so many entrepreneurs you know, love investments like you go buy a house um, and it's easy to see the return you're gonna get on that investment so you know I'm gonna rent it out for this much this is my mortgage and you know this is gonna be my return but when it comes to um, like getting a, a business coach um, it might be harder to see that return and maybe that's because you know a lot of that comes down to you and what you're gonna do is what you're gonna get out of it I don't know I'm just kind of kind of speaking out loud I'm not sure if you have any insight on that but maybe it's harder to kind of see what that return is gonna be yeah it depending on what you're working on with them yeah there's some that we're like okay let's this is what we need to implement and it's very measurable yeah we can see the change but a lot of it yeah it's not as easy to measure like that and but at the same time they will see okay i'm being held accountable these things that i would have been putting off or whatever i'm doing now or it might just be I wouldn't have thought of going this route. And the, you know what? There's been times too that I've had clients that I've said, 
this is this might be a great route for you. This is what I would do. And then they've said, I like that, but here's why I don't think it'll work. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, you're right. It's not going to work. So we go another way. But a lot of the times I, I've had one guy that his whole coaching, all he wanted was accountability. He didn't want me to tell him what to do or how to do it. He just wanted me to hold him accountable. <laughs> and that alone really took him to another level. Yeah. And it was really incredible to watch. And, you know, he gave me all the praise and I'm like, you're doing it. I'm just telling you, did you do it? I'm following up with you. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool to watch how he excelled just by having someone holding him accountable. Yeah. That wasn't a friend that was going to say, oh, you didn't do it this week. Well, maybe yeah, next right. week. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned pride as a reason why somebody might not uh, engage a coach. And there's two sides of that. One is that they know it all. Mm-hmm. And two, they might be embarrassed that they don't know anything or enough, right? Yeah. So for our listeners that uh, have started a business and don't have a coach and haven't engaged a coaching relationship, um, maybe they have a mindset of, well, let me get from point A to point B. And then once I get to point B, then I'll hire a coach, right? We do that for, you know, if, if I'm extremely overweight, I'm embarrassed to go into a gym. So I'm going to do my own weight loss program. And then when I lose a certain amount, then I'll go into the gym and I'll engage a, a trainer, etc. So with that mindset that's pretty common with human beings, uh, what advice would you have for our listeners who haven't engaged a coach? You know, it, it sounds appealing, but they don't think they're quite ready. Maybe they want to get a certain amount of money or a certain amount of level of experience or, or, or what that might be. What, what would you share with our listeners that are in that boat? I would say get one before it's too late. Because, you know, yeah, maybe once you're to that position you're talking about, maybe you start meeting with your coach more often. But if you're at a, really a lot of the times what it is is, yeah, I think coach would help me, but I can't afford it. Well, you don't have to hire a coach that's going to be with you twice a week or even once a week. You know, I've got a lot of clients that I meet once a month and we spend an hour going through everything throughout the month. We're emailing and texting, but a lot of those turn into, they start seeing their successes. Then it turns to twice a month. And then as things grow, it ends up being more consistent, but to have someone that at least once a month that you can sit down with and say, here's where I'm at. Here's where I plan to be when we meet next month can really help you get there not not only get there but get there quicker mm-hmm. you know for example i've got a lady what are we doing now we're twice a month and it was yesterday i just sent her a voicemail and just said hey you were going to have your numbers ready by today are they ready and it was a quick message back to me yeah everything's good and you know who knows if she wasn't having a coach someone wasn't holding her accountable to that maybe it wouldn't have been until next week and then she's got some March 1st deadlines, maybe those wouldn't have been met. And if she doesn't meet those, it's going to impact her business in a negative way because she's committed to some things that if she doesn't meet her deadlines, it's going to hurt her. So Hmm. That's great. Do you spend more time cleaning your pool than you spend swimming in it? Then call Flamingo Pools today. Flamingo Pools is your go-to swimming pool maintenance and repair company in the East Valley. 
Whether it's weekly maintenance, repairs, green to cleans, or one-time cleanings, Flamingo Pools will take care of you. Honest, reliable, and innovative. Just a few of the many good things Flamingo Pools customers have to say about them. Ask them about their mineral treatment, which will keep your chemical levels down, allowing you to have a healthier bathing experience. At Flamingo Pools, they know that your pool was made to be enjoyed, so let them handle the rest. Check them out at azflamingopools.com or give them a call at 480-422-6013. Mention this podcast and you'll get your first month of maintenance completely free. That's azflamingopools.com and 480-422-6013. It sounds like there's a lot of customization when it comes to coaching. So if someone is looking for a coach and like you said, different people are in different you know financial situations. Um, so what kind of customization is there if someone wants to come to you and, and receive some business coaching? Pretty, it's, yeah, it's very customizable. And, you know, I've got certain programs. Yeah. And, you know, here's the cookie cutter. This is what we could do. Mm-hmm. Very few are actually in those cookie cutter programs. You know, I do have some courses. For example, my High Achievers Mindset Secrets course. I've got it set up that there's one program that I call the Academy that includes personalized coaching with it. And so if someone's in that specifically, then yeah, it is, you know, they, they go through the course. <clears throat> it's a six-week course. And every other week we do a coaching session. So that's pretty standard. But other than that, it's, you know, what's going to suit you. I've got, I, I have a program that is, okay, it's once a week for two hours. And I've had people say, yeah, this is the one I want. And I've said, let's go for the one hour. If you need to increase it, we will. But I'll, I'll be honest with you, I think it's a waste of money. If you meet with one, if we need more than one hour, we can look at that. And a lot of them do. It's as we get into it, whether it's starting out once a week, whether it's starting out once a month. Yeah. As we progress, we're always customizing things. Hmm. And what's kind of like your long-term goal with a client? Is it, okay, go through this course, this module, and then like you're good to go on your own? Or after that, you know, we're just going to do occasional follow-ups? Or is there just continuous uh, modules and courses that you can continue to take with you? Or is it like totally up to the person and, and what their needs are? Yeah, each is each is different. Yeah. Um I guess what my goal is with them is that we can put the systems and structure in place that it fits their needs. And some of that might be right now we're meeting once a week, but once things are in place, we change that to once a month. Hmm. Um some of them the once a month has been working great, but it's also got them really excited about hitting some goals and targets and as they do that their businesses are building and then it's like you know i i need you let's change this to once a week so it it really depends on the client and what their needs are you mentioned earlier that not every potential client is a perfect match right right and you've turned clients away that you didn't feel and i really love that you uh, do that um that shows that you're in coaching for the right reason. And um, when you are, uh, you know, having a conversation with a prospective client, uh, what are some things that you're looking for to see if they are coachable? And on the same token, what are some things that a potential client should be looking for in a coach to ensure that it's the right relationship for them? Yeah. 
one of the things, the first trigger for me is throughout the conversation, how many times you hear them say, yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) And how they are open and receptive to your thoughts, your feedback. I mean, really the whole thing with a coach is to help hold you accountable, guide you, but the coach isn't going to do it for you. You're still the one that has to do it. And you've got to be willing to be open to their suggestions. But from the other standpoint of who's a good coach, I I think there's a lot of value in a coach having experience, but it doesn't have to be in your industry. You know, I work with a lot of clients that I've never had any experience in their industries. Um, you know, I have this one lady, it's, she's got a really, she owns a campground of tree houses. It's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, I obviously haven't been in that industry, but just like I was talking about the lady with the scrapbooking company, she's got experiences that I learned a lot from. And so I think a lot of it's, you know, what experience do they have? How, for my specific situation, what does this coach have to offer me that could help me? And I think references are big. Um, you know, like if someone was going to work with me, they should talk to someone that's worked with me. What, what's Jeff like, you know, how is he to work with? What are his ideas? Like, is he, is he accountable himself? Those sort of things. Hmm. And yeah, cause I think it goes both ways. You can, you can have a great relationship or it can be one that it's going to be very short term because either the client side, it's just not working or the coach just isn't doing their job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How much, um, in your coaching, how much do you focus on character development in addition to the, the numbers and the, the competencies that are involved in business? How much, um, you know, if, if some, if you notice some areas where they can strengthen their character that could be having an impact, do you, do you dive into that? And, and what's that like? Yeah, actually, it's funny that even though a lot of my clients that come to me come for the business coaching side of it, when you look at numbers and those sort of things, it's really a small part of the coaching that I do. A lot of it is the personal development. It's, um, you know, I've said accountability so many times, but it's also getting the right mindset. And sometimes that means changing some of your own limiting beliefs or just your own beliefs about yourself or beliefs on how you treat employees. You know, that can make or break a company. You know, you treat, you know, me being down here, if I didn't have great employees up there in Canada that knew what they were doing that I could depend on, it never would have worked. Um, so yeah, there, there are definitely, and it, it might be, you know, I just, I can never close my sales. I get to this point and it's not happening. And then as we get into it, it might be, well, here's why there's the character flaw that we've got to work on because you're shutting them down and you're the one making that happen. So yeah, there's a lot of that stuff that can be worked on as well. Great. 
You mentioned mindset again, uh, and I know you have a course about a mindset as well. And I've seen a lot on your social media. You talk so much about how your mindset is the key to success. Um, do you mind diving a bit into that and why why you say that so much? Absolutely. Um, it's really been the focus of my business probably the last year. And I think a lot of it came down to the fact that we talked about earlier, the similarities between coaching athletic teams and coaching entrepreneurs. There's so much the same and so much of it comes down to mindset. And so when when the pandemic first started, I my thought was, well, never would I have thought it was going to be this long, but my thought was there's going to be people that really lose direction, need some help that way. And so I created a course to kind of help people do that. But as I worked with more and more people, I saw the importance of mindset and the impact of it. And so that's when I created the High Achievers Mindset Secrets course. And I really started studying it more myself as well. You know, that was a course that I, I think the first uh, module I finished in November, thinking by the end of November, the whole course would be done. But then I would get studying something about it and be like, you know, I can't study this halfway and say the course is done. And so it ended up, I just actually recently finished it. But a lot of it is, especially what I've seen during the pandemic, is how much our mindset determines our success. And what I mean by that is everyone that I work with has some limiting beliefs and a lot of those go back decades that they've been holding with them. And a lot of it, a lot of them don't think they can do get past those limiting beliefs. Yeah. But as we work on their mindset and developing the proper mindset, then they can overcome that and they can be a lot more successful. And so as I was creating the course, the whole course was for entrepreneurs. But as I got into it more and more, I actually created a part of the course specifically for athletes as well. Hmm. And so it's actually been what, what it turned into was it was just going to be the course. So I've got the course, but then, as I mentioned earlier, I've got the academy, which is the course plus the one-on-one -on -one coaching. And then the team aspect, which I work with athletes or sales teams or whatever, where they go through the course plus inside of the, just the one-on-one -on -one coaching, we do group coaching. That's super cool. Um, I feel like changing your mindset can be, it's so much easier said than done. What, what's kind of the key to, to not only realizing that your mind needs to change, but actually going through the process of changing your mindset on certain aspects in life? A lot of it comes down to having the knowledge and background of what you need to do. In fact, you know, just to tell you a story about it. When you look at a growth mindset and a fixed mindset, so taking a step back, my daughter, when she was in elementary school, we were living in Canada. She had a girl that she just idolized from our community that had played for the Alberta basketball team. She had ended up, um, she went and played division one basketball in Utah and my daughter just idolized this girl. And she says, that's what I want to do dad. And so I quit coaching the high school boys team and started coaching her. And you know, she was, she was dedicated. And so it was like, Every morning at five o'clock, we were at the gym and this is fourth grade and I had the opportunity when I, when we came down here, I was kind of thinking I was done my coaching and 
the athletic director says, I understand you're a coach. And so that's where my coaching basketball coaching continued here. And I was able to coach her all the way through um, her senior year. Cool. But I actually was sitting down with her a while ago and we were talking about fixed mindset and growth mindset. And I said, you know, I, I didn't know I was doing this, but I was instilling a fixed mindset in you on certain things. And it was just because I didn't know any better. And so that's where a lot of it comes in is educating people on not only what it is, but how it comes about and what you need to do to change those things so you can do it. And then teaching them how to build their own confidence, because that's where a lot of it comes is their mindsets develop around their own confidence level on what they're capable of and what kind of performance they can do, whether it's an athlete or a business person Mm -hmm. and helping them to develop that confidence within themselves and understanding how to develop that confidence. Awesome. Um, No, I think it's so important. The, 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 sorry, the mindset aspect of things. And like you mentioned, it relates to to athletics so much as well. And something that's popped in my head, just thinking of of an example of that. Um, There was a basketball star, Jimmer Fredette, who was just an absolute stud in college, could hit a shot from half court almost. And that's back like 2012 when it it wasn't as common as it is today to hit those deep shots. Um, He gets to the NBA and he's just an absolute bust. And then he goes over to China and is just dominating again. Um, and I think two years ago, the Phoenix Suns signed him. And again, he just can't hit a single shot. And obviously the defense is a bit better, but a lot of these are wide open looks that he was he was getting over in China as well. And he just can't hit it. And there's no difference between the court he's on or the, the height of the rim or the size of the rim. Um, there's just something in, in that mindset that wasn't allowing him to have the success here that, that he had over there. Um, and so just relating that to business. If you don't have the right mindset, if you don't believe that you can achieve something, like that's going to completely hold you back from from having success. So I love that you kind of emphasize on that when it comes to coaching. Well, you look at um, same same recruiting year. Look at Thompson on the Golden State. Yeah, you know I remember in in fact I wrote an article about this on my website um, in 2019 when they were playing the Houston Rockets. I think it was first four games of the series he stunk and in game five in the first five minutes he had more points than he had the whole game before and you know everyone's like oh he's out of the slump he's out well what was it it's you know clay has shot every conceivable shot probably ten thousand times yeah and so did he quit shooting no he kept shooting he knew he was going to get that momentum back and he you know built up that confidence to get it get everything back and continue and you know jimmer if he could have continued on if if he would have been given the opportunity to continue on i he would have got that confidence back that he was playing with in college or in china yeah Yeah. that's good awesome um I love seeing that you're you're all over social media. You're on Facebook, Instagram. You got a Facebook group as well. Um, you're on YouTube, TikTok as well. Is there one particular platform that you you um, see the most engagement from, or is it just a big mix of everything that you're doing? It's a mix, but um, Instagram is probably the most, yeah, and where I'm usually the most active. Um, my my group on Facebook, it's. Jeff Hagee Daily Success Strategies. It's where one of my podcasts is. Mm-hmm. And so that's always a good one to interact with people because it's usually, it usually is where a lot of my podcasts come from. People that are 
talking about something and it it spurs an idea for the next episode or something yeah but yeah. instagram's where i'm most active that's cool and and i love on instagram as well you'll release you know three to five to ten minute videos um is that similar to what you have on the podcast or just like golden nuggets you'll talk about you know one certain aspect of business or mindset and just kind of dive deep into that is that similar to what you're doing on the podcast that as well? is the podcast that actually is, okay. so what that's i it started as a client that wanted me to just kind of give them some motivation every mm-hmm. day and so it started out as a voice memo that i was sending to them and then i thought you know if i'm doing this might as well put it on YouTube. And so I started recording it and I had thrown it on YouTube. And then it was, well, if I'm doing that, I might as well make it a podcast. And so no intention of starting a podcast, but I think today was episode 219. Wow. And so, yeah, it's, it's turned into something pretty cool. And so. That's great. Do you find the social media elements uh, enjoyable? Do you find it natural or is it something you've kind of had to force yourself into? How, how, what's your relationship with the social media element of your business? Um, I actually enjoy the Instagram part, um, mostly because it's where I've been able to create some good relationships. It's where I've actually ended up, um, meeting, engaging, and then hooking up with some of my clients. And so that part has been pretty cool. Um, you know, LinkedIn, I know that's a valuable resource for so many coaches. Yeah. The thing I hate about LinkedIn is... I don't know how many people I've got in my list right now of people that want to connect. And I don't because as soon as you connect, you're getting their sales pitches. And I'm like, <laughs> no, that's not what I want. And so that one, that one's frustrating to me. And I don't think I'm utilizing it to where I should. Um, but yeah, I, I do. I do enjoy the Instagram part. Okay. Do you mind? I know we're, we're getting close to the hour here, but before we close up, do you mind giving us maybe a one to two minute little golden nugget? One of those uh, podcast snippets that you usually put out for anyone that hasn't listened, just, you know, one piece of information, something off the top of your head that you could kind of, kind of dive into with us real quick. Sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, part of with daily success strategies, probably just guessing probably the first 200 episodes was just me. And I started talking with other people about different things and as we're talking I thought you know what this is exactly what I want to add into my episodes Mm -hmm. and so a lot of them now they're still only five to ten minutes long yeah but a lot of them now I do have other people talking with me on them and one of the ones that I just recently had actually no I'm not even going to talk about that one I'll talk about one that I haven't even done yet um I was recently talking on one of them with um, Tyson Derby who's a world champion calf roper and he was talking about mentors and so I actually ended up calling one of my past mentors um, in the rodeo world it was Blaine Peterson he's a world champion steer wrestler and he's the one that along with my brother taught me how to become a steer wrestler and so I ended up um, talking with him a lot and one of the things that I had you know just started googling stuff on him before our conversation and one of the things that he said when he was younger he says i always knew i was going to be a world champion i just didn't know when and i think that is one of the key aspects we have to do is one we've got to set our goals um and that's one thing with all my clients the first thing i do is get clarity on your goals and then start you know reverse engineering it how you're going to set achieve those goals but it's that belief in yourself. It's understanding what your goals are 
and not just that you've got this goal out there that yeah one day i'm going to be a world champion yeah you know that's it's easy to say harder to do <laughs> but really believing that you're gonna achieve that goal because i do see a lot of people that say well this is my goal but really they don't believe they're ever going to achieve it and i think that's one of the biggest things is really believing that you are going to achieve it and you know i i i can can't remember his last name i know his first name was jeff i heard a quote from someone on another podcast and you know you hear people say fake it till you make it well his was believe it till you achieve it he was on richie norton's podcast and he says believe it till you achieve it and i thought that's really what we need to do is we need he he wanted to be a writer and he wasn't a writer and he says well how, how do i become a writer i've just got to start writing I got to believe in myself that I can do it. And now he's got, I think, three books. Hmm. And so as we set our goals, we've really got to believe in ourselves that, yeah, it is something that we can do. Awesome. Love it. Well, Jeff, uh, before we close up here, we have a little game that we're going to play with you. Um, so how it's going to work is we've got a list of 20 questions that we're going to ask you. And these are going to be rapid fire questions. Um, and you have a minute to see how many of them that you can answer. All righty. Let's so. do this. <laughs> you ready? Yeah. All right. You can start us off in three two one your dream vacation bora bora uh first thing you'd buy if you won a million dollars oh i'd probably make a big investment your favorite hobby uh basketball actually no following my kids around in sports (laughs) if there was an olympic competition for everyday activities what activity would you have a good chance at winning a medal in uh daddy taxi (laughs) a song you've been jamming to lately um california love love uh, get on my motorbike and turn that up and yeah Nice. Uh, if you live to be 100, would you rather have the mind or the body of your prime self? Mind. Your favorite holiday? Uh, favorite holiday, Christmas. Favorite ice cream flavor? Tiger. That's a Canadian thing. Favorite fictional character? Oh, Superman. Uh, favorite smell? <laughs> uh, coconut. What's your nickname? Darcy. Pet peeve? Darcy. Favorite restaurant? Um, P.F. Chang's. If you could... Oh, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Tiger ice cream, so what's that? Oh, it's... You know, I was helping with a youth activity, and we were figuring out ice cream. I was like, oh, you got to get Tiger. And everyone looks at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's uh, So I guess it's a Canadian thing. It's um, orange and licorice. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I've never heard of it. It's good. And, and do I they don't have like it? Liquors, I, I love ice cream. I don't know if I go for the tiger. Because that and do they have it here? Can you get it no, here? No, no. You got to go up to Canada to yeah. find it. All right. Good reason to go to Canada. Yep. <laughs> Jeff, I got another question for you as we wrap it up. Uh, you'd mentioned that uh, in your uh, masterminds that you study books. And if you don't mind just sharing four or five books that have made a real big difference for you personally and you've seen make a similar impact in your clients um, to share with our audience absolutely and I, I love the way you said that because everyone always asks what's your favorite book and that's hard to narrow down mm-hmm. um, and I actually one of the things I do on my website jeffhagey.com I have my reading list and I list all the books I've read on there and at the top I do have my must reads hmm. um, you know, if you go back, Think and Grow Rich, How to Win Friends, Influence People. You know, both of those are almost 100-year-old books, but they're both amazing books. Um, I really 
really like both of them and I think they both have had great impacts on my clients as well. The one that we're reading right now um, as our mastermind is one that I've always loved as well and it's my friend Richie Norton's book, The Power of Starting Something Stupid. And for entrepreneurs, it's a great book and it's one that really helps you look at things as, you know, don't wait to live your life when you retire. You know, what, what kind of lifestyle do you want right now as well? And so that one has, has been really great. From a business standpoint, Good to Great by Jim Collins. Awesome book. A um, lot to learn from there. Um, whether you're a manager, entrepreneur, business owner, whatever it is, I think there's a lot that you can learn from there. And now to name a fifth, there's so many to choose from. It's how to narrow it down. You know, we can go six or seven. <laughs> I'm loving the list so far. You know, um, <clears throat> one that I, I Titan, the life of John D. Rockefeller is an awesome book and it's, I, I love autobiographies and biographies too, but you know, probably the one I would put in there would be either the compound effect or the slight edge. And to me, they're the same book written by two different authors mm -hmm. that worked together. Mm -hmm. So the ideas are very similar, but the concepts in it just are really good. I think. Cool. Both of those are amazing books. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's a solid list. Yeah. Um, I think we've all got some reading to do now. <laughs> um, well, Jeff, thank you again so much for coming on and uh, sharing so much knowledge and information with us. Um, why don't you let our listeners know where they can find you if they want to learn more about you um, and possibly talk to you about some coaching opportunities. Absolutely. So the first thing I did, um, jeffhagey.com slash local hustlers. If you go there, um, I've put on there um, my momentum series, which I've put on there for free. It's a three video series just to help you get some clarity, set some goals, those sort of things, understand your why. Um, I put, I've actually put a few th free things on there for any of your listeners that can go on there. It's also got links to my courses, my marketing courses and my mindset courses and all my coaching, my masterminds, all those sort of things are available on there. Um, all my social media links are there, but the main one that I, as I said earlier, is Instagram, which is Jeff Hagee coaching, but yeah, everything at, um, Jeff Hagee.com, uh, slash local hustlers and you can find it all there. Awesome. Okay. Love it. And that's some free, that's kind of the, the special offer as well. There's some free videos there that people can take yeah. advantage of. Yeah. So awesome. that momentum series is free. And you know what I put on there too, I'll, an email, my email address and said, anyone that wants to sit down for a free for not sit down zoom for a free 45 minute strategy session email me at that address and i think in the subject line i said to just put local hustlers is the subject line so i knew where they were coming from and i'll set up that free session for them we can go through some stuff too and anyone actually you can find out all the information on the courses there but before actually buying the courses um shoot me an email and let me know you're listening here and we'll get you some discounts on the courses as well. Awesome. That's an awesome discount. If I can just uh, put a plug in for you, Jeff. Uh, you know, I, I hired a coach five years ago, and it made all the difference in the world. Uh, what you're offering our listening audience is phenomenal, this 45-minute uh, session. Um, if you're serious about becoming great, if you're serious about becoming the best version of yourself, if you're serious about growing your business, it would be foolish not to reach out to Jeff with that email. 
for thanks. sure. Yeah. Appreciate that. Second what they, what you said there. Um, yeah, like I said, thanks again, Jeff. Super, super um, excited for this to come out so we can all listen to this over and over again and all the great information you shared with us. Uh, and yeah, I hope as many of our listeners as possible take advantage of that offer you have for them. Um, so have a great rest of your day and we will catch you all next week. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. Just a few things before we go. First off, if you or someone you know is an entrepreneur in the East Valley, we'd love to have you on the show. Please get in touch with us by emailing us at localhustlerspodcast at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at localhustlerspodcast. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for the latest news and updates. Also, if you enjoyed the show, please take a few seconds to rate and review and hit that subscribe button. It lets us know how we're doing and helps us grow so we can reach more locals, entrepreneurs, and help small businesses grow. Thanks, guys.